People come from everywhere to hear about Jesus, and they come with all of their problems and all of their needs, just like us today as we sit here in the presence of God. And that's good, because we need to come to Jesus Christ. He stands and He intercedes for you and for me. So I love coming to Jesus all the time with all of my problems, situations, sicknesses, whatever it may be. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today's lesson continues our series celebrating the Lord's mighty love, and as Raul explores Christ's healing work in the home of one of his disciples, he'll show you how you can confidently bring all of your needs to your Savior. Today's lesson will highlight the need to go to Jesus for restoration, forgiveness, and hope. Now with today's message, here's Raul Reese. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 8, as we continue our study to the New Testament in the book of Matthew. But in the story this morning, and it's a very interesting story, in Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 14 through 17, it is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Now there's a lot of people that did not know that Peter was married and had a wife. And also had a mother-in-law. But let's read the story and then we'll develop it as we move to the chapter this morning. Beginning at chapter 8 verse 14. And now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. And so he touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to serve them. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits where they were, and healed all those that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now it is amazing to me how many people believe that Peter was the first pope. And yet this has been a lie that continues even to the present time today when you talk to people. And, and I feel sorry because we don't attack people. God forbid. We don't even attack the church. We attack the doctrine that is being taught to people which is not God's truth. If we're going to be Christians and we're going to believe in God's word that we must speak truth to the people to set them free in Christ Jesus. And yet as we look at Peter's history. That he was never a pope. But that he was a Jewish fisherman. And that he lived in the area of Capernaum. Around the Sea of Galilee. And that he had gotten married. And had a wife. We don't know about children. But he had a wife. And he had a mother-in-law. A wife that he loved very much. He loved her so much. Let me begin this morning in the story by giving to you eight theological issues concerning Protestantism and Catholicism. That is the Bible and not what the Bible teaches. 
And that is in the beliefs of the Roman Catholic Church. Number one, the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. We believe that this is sola scriptura in the Latin. This is only scripture that we believe and accept the word of God. 39 Old Testament books, 27 in the New, 66 in total, fully, completely. The Catholic Church believes the tradition of equal authority with Scripture, which means you accept tradition as valuable as the Scriptures. We don't do that. We believe the Bible, period. You see? Secondly, the Apocrypha books. We reject them. We look at them as historical books. First, Second Maccabees. Talk about the dead. This is where the Roman Catholic Church gets a doctrine of purgatory, which is not a biblical doctrine, you see? And yet the apocryphal books are rejected by us, but yet they're fully accepted by the Roman Catholic Church. Original sin, we believe in total depravity and guilt inherited from Adam in the Garden of Eden with Eve. When they sinned against God, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the whole human race became guilty before God. The Roman Catholic Church believes, they believe corruption and predisposition to evil inherit from Adam. You see? And yet the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. And then human will. We believe in bondage to sin. Catholicism believes free to do spiritual good as a person. Atonement, very important. We believe Christ's death is a substitutionary penal for sacrifice for our sins. The Catholic Church believes Christ's death and merit for blessings of salvation. Blessings pass on to sinners through the sacraments. You see, we don't accept that. The Bible doesn't teach that. We believe that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He's the only one that can forgive our sins. That's the reason First uh, John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. We go directly to Him to ask for forgiveness and we repent and confess our sins to Him. We don't believe that Mary is actually our mediator. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and men. 1 Timothy 2.5 says that. There is neither salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus, Acts 4.12. You see? Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. He's the only one that can forgive your sins. And then the grace of God, we believe Common grace given to all who believe in Jesus Christ by faith in Christ, by trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. Catholicism believes permanent grace given at baptism, enabling one to believe. Affectuous grace cooperating with the will, enabling one to obey. We don't believe that. We believe the grace of God is the gift of God to us We don't work for it. It is given freely to us, the grace of God. Regeneration. We believe it is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
in the life of the believer that brings us to repentance and conviction of our sins, where we come to repentance and by faith ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and become our Lord and our Savior. That's called the new birth. Roman Catholicism believes grace infused at baptism. They really believe, and that's the next thing we'll see in a moment, they believe that when a child... An infant child is baptized at that particular moment when the water is dropped in his little forehead and runs down in the back of his head. That at that point he becomes saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that baptism, literally, according to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it's only a picture of the grave. That is... As we step into the water to be baptized, we first of all are of age. We recognize who we are and what we are doing. You see, that I have received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I understand that baptism does not save me. It is only a symbol of death. Which means when I step into the water and they take me back and they actually dunk me inside of that water all the way down, it is a picture of the grave. And as I'm coming out of the water, I'm coming out of the water a newness of resurrection of life by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a picture of my rising with Christ, you see. But it doesn't save me. And there are a lot of people that have been sprinkled. There are a lot of people that have been baptized and they think that the water has literally saved them and that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that you have to, first of all, acknowledge that you have sinned against God because sin separates me from God. Secondly, as I recognize sin separates me from God, then by faith I come and I repent of my sins before the Lord. And by faith, I receive his forgiveness as he cleanses me and he washes me by his blood. And then he writes my name in the book of life by faith, you see. It's so awesome to be able to see how the new regeneration comes about through faith in Jesus Christ. And then I become justified by faith. Justification is another doctrine. We believe the objective, the final judicial act of God in justification by faith. Catholicism believes that forgiveness of sins received at baptism may be lost by committing a mortal sin and regained by penance. You see, we don't believe that. Sin is sin. So it's really important that we understand that Peter first of all, was never the first pope. Peter could never forgive people's sins. He was married. He was a Jew. He was a fisherman. He lived around the Sea of Galilee for many, many years. And then he became an apostle of Jesus Christ or a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We want to remind you that our mission is to help you grow in faith and enjoy close communion with the Lord. Visit us anytime at somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. Coming up in just a few moments, we'll tell you about a resource with even more uplifting insights into God's heart. But first, let's rejoin Rawl. 
Look at the first observation here in verse 14 of chapter 8, where Jesus becomes a guest in Peter's house. Now you got to remember, Jesus has been busy. He's been out all day long ministering to people. People come from everywhere to hear about Jesus, and they come with all of their problems and all of their needs, just like us today as we sit here in the presence of God. And that's good. Because we need to come to Jesus Christ whenever we have a problem, whenever we have an issue. For He's the only one that can not only forgive my sins, but He's the only one that can really take my burdens, my needs, and answer my prayers, and take care of my, my life within me. He's the mediator between God and men, the men Christ Jesus. He stands and He intercedes for you and for me. So I love coming to Jesus all the time with all of my problems, situations, sicknesses, whatever it may be. And yet we see in this great passage, chapter 8, 14, that it says, And now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. He already had been ministering all day long. And now he comes to Peter's house, where Andrew and the others are there, according to the other Gospels. And Peter's mother-in-law is very, very sick. She's at the point of death. But Peter never said nothing about that until Jesus came home. God is not a respecter of persons, you see. It was so neat when Jesus came into the house and saw her. There lying down, very sick. He was concerned. How do we know this? Because Mark tells us, that the healing of Peter's mother-in-law happened after the synagogue service. After that, It was a Sabbath day where everybody was resting. And yet on the Sabbath day, you're not supposed to be able to heal anybody. It's against the law. But yet we are told in the Gospel of Mark concerning the healing that took place outside of the synagogue. And then in the house of Peter during this time. Yet he explains that when Jesus and four of his disciples entered the house of Peter, they were told, possibly by Peter's wife, of the actual illness of this elderly woman that was really struggling and she was at the point of death. When they came into the house, they were totally just blown away. They were coming home to rest, to have a meal. But they found out now that Peter's mother-in-law has been very, very sick because of the actual problems. They were in that area with swamps and malaria was big around the Sea of Galilee. And those valleys were full of mosquitoes, according to culture. Peter didn't think anything was going to happen. But the Lord went to her. And touched her. Look what it says in verse 15. The second observation. Jesus here heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then he touched her hand. And the fever left her. And she got up and she served them. Interesting. Here we have something that is unusual. Because as soon as Jesus put his hands on her. And she was immediately touched. She got right back up and she went into the kitchen. And began to cook for them. Remember, they've been ministering all day long. They're hungry, they're worried, and they're just so tired. And yet, Jesus always has time for people. Do we make time for people? Well, 
only you can answer that. I think we need to learn from the stories of the Bible so that we can become more like Jesus himself in taking care of the needs of people. As you look back, uh, there's a legend behind the story. The legend states that she traveled with uh, Peter's wife, traveled with her husband, and went through various countries preaching the gospel with Peter. That's Peter's wife. She was amazing, they said. Clement of Alexandria wrote stating that Peter and his wife were martyred together. They died together. That the apostle was made to watch as his wife preceded him to the place of execution. And we know from First Peter that the Lord said that Peter would be crucified upside down. Why? Because he said, I'm not worthy to die like my master Jesus Christ. So crucify me upside down. And tradition tells us that. And yet we ourselves need to understand that not only God has his hand upon each one of us individually. But we admit that if the Lord calls you and he empowers you and he uses your life, then his grace is good enough for me. Whatever he wants to do in my life, it's okay with me. And it's so cool when your wife is part of you in the ministry. And God ministers to both of you. It's amazing how God chooses people like he did Peter and his personal wife that he gave to him. And then on the other side is the man Peter. Who is this man by the name of Peter? Petros. Petros. Remember the story in Matthew chapter 16? Uh, those of you that have gone to Israel with us, remember when we go from the Sea of Galilee, Tiberias, we go around the Sea of Galilee and we start going up to the Golan Heights. And we're going over towards Syria to the north. And we come to Caesarea Philippi. Up on top of Mount Hermon. Right below it. There's a beautiful gate there as we go into this place. And there's a huge, huge rock. A mountain of pure rock. And then as you look straight at the rock, there's a cave. A huge cave. You can't miss it. This is called Caesarea Philippi. This is the place where there's a beautiful string of water coming out of the rock. This is the place in Matthew 16 where Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And Jesus said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not Reveal this to you, but my heavenly Father has given you a supernatural revelation. And Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is where you get the story. This is where Jesus looked up to this massive rock and said, Peter, you are just a little stone, Petros, but I am the Petras. You see that mountain of rock? That's me, Jesus. I am the rock of your salvation. Imagine that. The Roman Catholic Church say that Peter was what? The rock. He was the foundation. No, he was not. Jesus is the main rock. Peter was just a little stone that God used as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And yet as we look at this great story this morning... Some of the church historians tell us 
that there were three kinds of fevers prevented in Palestine because of the fever that his mother-in-law had. And they tell us that this fever was actually a malaria disease. It had killed many people in that area. But yet Jesus came as the great healer. And what did he do? He touched his mother-in-law and totally healed her and did good to her. The third observation here is in verse 16. Jesus now released the oppressed by Satan. He says, and when evening had come, they brought to him many more who were demon possessed and he cast out spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. It seems that people never give him a break. And it seems like Jesus was always open 24-7. Whenever anybody needed anything just like today, Jesus is there for us. And for those that are being actually possessed by Satan, he is also there to relieve that person. As they come and they submit themselves to Jesus Christ. And as we can lay hands upon them and pray for them. Yet we need to understand that here, Jesus being compassionate, as we must be compassionate, being understanding... He gave time not only to his own disciples and to the mother of Peter, but he gives time to other people that are in need. And this is now the Sabbath day, which starts Friday, 6 o'clock to Saturday, 6 o'clock. Everything is very quiet in Jerusalem and throughout the country of Israel because of the Sabbath day. And yet Jesus, because he saw the needs on the Sabbath day, he touched people. And then check this out finally. Verse 17. Observation number 4. He says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. What does Matthew do? Matthew brings in the Old Testament to verify everything Jesus was doing what? Scripturally. To make sure that it wasn't something that was not biblical. The prophet Isaiah, 750 years before, had prophesied that Jesus Christ would become the one that would take our infirmities and would bear our sicknesses and that he would die on the cross and take upon himself every one of our sins. The sin bearer, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can physically Heal each one of us individually here. You say, well, why doesn't God heal other people? Why isn't everybody healed? Because that's what God intends to do in this world because of sin. But if you're sick this morning and you're going through drama in your life and you feel like God is in a distant place, don't believe Satan. God is as closest to your mouth. If you confess him, he says what? He will hear you. He's there for you. Because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to have doubt in your mind and heart. He wants you to fully trust him and to love him. And that he is the great healer of our souls. Well, if you're in need of God's miraculous touch in some area of your life today, we hope you'll trust in his goodness and allow the Bible's reassurance to fill you with hope. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. You can get a copy of today's lesson for a donation of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and ask for the lesson titled Healing Peter's Mother-in-Law. 
We'd like to tell you about an uplifting resource titled Understanding God's Compassion. This four-chapter booklet from Rawl further shows how you can walk through trials with absolute confidence in the Lord's unwavering love. You'll see that as His child, you enjoy God's richest blessings of salvation, healing, provision, and protection. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' book titled Understanding God's Compassion. We'll send your copy for just $5 plus shipping and handling. Our number once again is 800-634-9165. To order by sending a check, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. This ministry is committed to enriching your faith walk with the truth of God's Word. We welcome your thoughts on how we can best support you. And we invite you to take advantage of all of our free resources. Be sure to check out our app. You'll find a wide variety of convenient ways to experience the Bible, including digital Bible studies and an easy devotional reading plan. This app will link you to our online resource store as well. You can also join Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time for Straight Talk, a Q&A program that provides Bible-based insights for godly living. And, of course, you can connect with us anytime on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget, we're funded through the partnership of listeners like you, and your generosity helps keep us on the air. Every contribution is tax-deductible. Well, studying the Bible with you is always a blessing, and we'd love to have you join us next time for even more from this series centered on God's gracious love. You'll see that no matter what tribulation you might be facing in this life, the Lord is already the victor, and He'll see you through. That's next time on Somebody Loves You Radio. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.